Now, can you hear me? Good. Uh, for the next several weeks, uh, I'm going to be preaching a series of sermons. That means if you want to hear them, uh, you've got to come, and you've got to come every Sunday for the next probably six or seven weeks. So I know all of you are going to be here six or seven weeks in a row. And hopefully, uh, this series of messages, am I on good, is going to bring you to a, a, a deep personal awakening of what God is able to do in your life. Now, let me just say, it'll bring you to an awakening of what God's able to do in your life. This series of messages won't change your life, but it's going to tell you how God is able to change your life and to change my life because all of us need to be changed. All of us need some spiritual transformation in our lives. And so over the next several weeks, uh, I'm not going to ask you to change. I'm not going to ask you to make a commitment. I am not going to ask you uh, to, to uh, do your best to live a better, purer, holier life. Uh, in regard to that, living a better, purer, holier life, I'm going to uh, try to help you understand what I think you already know, that you haven't been able to live such a life, nor can you. So I'm not going to ask you to do something that you simply can't do. Instead, I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing, and that is surrender. I'm going to ask you to do that in every service. And I'm going to try to explain to you why surrender is your only option, not only for salvation, but for advancement in the Christian life. In fact, it is what the Lord requires of everyone who desires to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm also going to put, as you can already see on the screen, a qualifying adjective on that word surrender. It is the word absolute. Because the surrender that God desires from us is not a partial surrender. It is an unconditional, absolute surrender of all that we have, uh, all that we are and have. Now, I know that Americans, I'm one, my family has been in this country since way back. I can tell you sometime how long that, that we've been here. Uh, we're fiercely independent people. We were when we came here. We resist the idea of the surrender of our guns or our rights or our properties or our money or our lives to anyone or anything. We are also, as Americans, a doing people. Uh, given a chance, we feel that we can make anything, change anything, and provide for ourselves and our families anything that we need. Unfortunately, we're so independent that we've carried that independence over into our spiritual lives. And so if our lives need to be changed, we are of the opinion that we will change. Uh, if a man is an alcoholic, slave though he be, in his deception, he will say, and you've heard many people say it, maybe even you've said it yourself, I can quit anytime I want, but he can't, not in his own strength and in his own power. A worse master than alcohol is sin. And should a man say, or a woman say, or a boy say, or a girl say, I can stop sinning anytime I want. I can reform or change my own life. That person will soon find out that the devil may give you a little slack in your chain, but you are still a slave. Let me say it to you in the words of Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 34. 
Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone, listen to this, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And I believe what Jesus says is true. Before an army will surrender, that army must be convinced that it is defeated or else that army will continue to struggle. And so it is with the spiritual life. A man or a woman must come to the point where they realize they have been soundly defeated in the battle before they will give up the battle and come to a moment of surrender. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to begin by showing you a picture of such a surrender. It was made by a king in the Old Testament. Uh, The words he used in his surrender, uh, I'll refer to again and again across the next several weeks to show you what God requires of you. But as I introduce this king's surrender, I will be pointing out to you that it was wrong because it was a surrender made to one other than God. And so, some of you have surrendered. You have surrendered to your sin. You have surrendered to your circumstances. You have given up in the battle. But you have yet to surrender the battle to the Lord. So the king in question was the king Ahab. His story appears in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings chapter 20. And we will consider the difficulty that surfaced in his life that led to his statement of absolute surrender. And perhaps as we read this story in our Bible, you can put yourself in the shoes of Ahab in this position that he was in. Chapter 20 of 1 Kings, I'm going to read the first four verses. Now Benadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army, and there were 32 kings with him. 32 plus 1, that's 33 in all, and horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria, that's the kingdom of Ahab, and fought against it. That's the city that Ahab lived in, in in Israel. Then he sent messengers to the city, to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Ben-Hadad being his enemy, uh, supported by 32 other kings, that's 33 kings in all, and their horses and chariots. He said to the one king Ahab, Your silver and your gold are mine. Your most beautiful wives and children are also mine. The king of Israel replied, It is according to your word, my lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. That fourth verse, it is according to your word, O lord, my king, I am yours and all that I have, is the perfect statement of absolute surrender, and that verse will be the theme verse of this series of messages that I bring to you today. Now, I've already told you that this surrender of Ahab was misplaced and misguided. It was a surrender made in the wrong direction and to the wrong person. Nevertheless, it provides for us the picture of what it is for one king to surrender to another. Now, we need to understand this reason 
for the surrender to Benadad, king of Syria. Well, it's pretty plain. I mean, he's outnumbered. And so when we consider this, we have to make the first point. Why did Ahab surrender to Benadad? He surrendered to Benadad because Benadad, his enemy, had the power to demand it. No army will surrender to another army unless the opposing army has the power to demand it. We've already considered the circumstances. There were 32 kings plus one Benadad. That makes 33 kings with their horses and their chariots coming against the kingdom of Ahab, one king alone against 33 kings. Now, in, in the face of that sheer military might, that overwhelming force, Benadad or Ahab thought that he had no choice but to surrender. Now, he surrendered to the power of military force. Now, I want you to think this morning about that thing, that habit, that sin, that strong temptation that has besieged your life. You consider it so powerful that no matter how long or how hard you've struggled against it, you have failed and you have fallen and you have finally and fully given yourself over to its demands. In fact, as in the case of Ahab, there may be an army of temptations that have set themselves against you, overwhelmed you, and seduced you to surrender to their influence and power. This Ahab was able to admit he was overwhelmed and he surrendered and he did so unconditionally and absolutely. And I want you to hear again the words of surrender that perhaps you've spoken not out loud, but at least in your own heart, you've given over to something, someone, some habit, some temptation, some sin, the way Ahab gave himself over to the overwhelming strength of his enemy. And he said, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. That may be the present state of your soul as you survey the power of your enemy to the devil and his demons. You have said perhaps without realizing it, this same thing, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. Would you say that willingly to the devil? Maybe unwillingly or unwittingly you have said it. This is what Ahab said to his enemy. Through the strength of this coalition of armies, Ben-Hadad had the power to demand from Ahab his absolute surrender. So what are the circumstances to which you have submitted and made Lord of your life? And you've done so because you sense that you have no other choice, no option. Not only did Benadad have the power to demand absolute surrender from Ahab, Benadad expected to receive it. And this is our number two. Look at chapter 20 of 1 Kings, we're going to look at verses 5 and 6, and you can see Ben-Hadad's expectation. This is a story out of our Bible. The Bible's very interesting. You should read it sometimes. There are a lot of stories like this in it. I love stories. You're going to find that out about me. And here's a good one. The messengers returned. Thus says Ben-Hadad, Surely I sent to you, saying, You shall give me your silver and your gold and your wives and your children. But about this time tomorrow I will send my servants to you, and they will search your house and the houses of your servants. And whatever is desirable in your eyes, 
whatever's precious to you, whatever's dear to you, they will take in their hand and carry it away. Now, his enemy made it clear that he wanted to hurt Ahab personally. It was not enough to surround his city to defeat him politically. He wanted to destroy him personally. He wanted to come against Ahab as a man, as a husband, uh, as a father. So, I want to ask you now, you're the man, you're the husband, you're the father. What power or what predicament has laid, laid siege to your kingdom in order to hurt you personally? What are the voices inside you that demand your surrender to their demands? Your absolute surrender to their wishes. Jesus said this about the devil. He said the devil is a thief and he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what the devil wants to do in your family and in mine, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And without a doubt, Benadad planned to come and lay claim to the treasures of Ahab's heart and home. He said, your silver, your gold, your wives, your children, they are mine and I will require them of your hand 24 hours from now. And let me say this. Some of you have stood where Ahab stood. Some of you are standing where Ahab was standing. This very day, you sense Satan's power in your own life. And if you know, you, you know this. You know that if you are not delivered, the enemy will claim not only your silver but your soul. You know that to be true because you are so overwhelmed and overpowered. You have so given in and surrendered to the power of the enemy. He has such a hold on your life that he is about to claim everything that you own. Now, if this church is like the one where I served for the past 20 years, I knew those people pretty well. Somebody talked to me the other day and they said, have you told them any stories about us yet? And I said, no, I haven't told any stories and what I, what I do, and I can promise you this, and, and I told them, uh, when, I come, when I came to their church, I only told good stories about the church. I only want to tell good stories. I'm not going to tell the bad ones. I want to show you the good things that can happen, not the bad things that can happen. But I know this. If this church is like that one, then there are people here, members here, who have yielded up their surrender not to God, but what appears to be the overwhelming power of the enemy. Something has you in its grasp. Some sin, whatever it is, the temptations are so strong, your failures are so great, you've given up, you've issued a surrender to the, in the face of the enemy, yielded to his lordship, and said to the enemy of your soul, unwillingly or unwittingly, it is according to your word, my lord, O king, I am yours. In all that I have. One of the things I know to be true about the devil, if you give him a corner, he'll soon own the whole block. And if you give him a little bit of the heart, your heart, it is not that little bit that he wants. He wants it all. And he will not stop until he demands your absolute surrender to him. 
So Benadad had the power to demand Ahab's absolute surrender. He fully expected to receive it. But the third thing I want you to understand is that Benadad had no right to deserve it. Ahab, out of touch with God as he was, did not know that Benadad had no right of, of possession of one penny or one person that God claimed as his own. So I want you to listen to his plight as he relates it to the elders of the land in chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. This is Ahab telling his folks, the other leaders, why he had given in, why he had surrendered. The king of Israel called the elders of the land and said, Please observe and see how this man is looking for trouble. He sent to me for my wives and my children and my silver and my gold, and I did not refuse him. Let me ask you a question. Is there a man here who would give his children to the devil? Not willingly. Not willingly. Maybe you're giving your money to him every day. A little bit. A little bit here and there. Maybe you're giving him a little bit of your heart every day. You'd never give him your children, but you're giving them away too. And you just need to know that. My wives and my children, my silver and my gold, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours in all that I have had. You may have said that to some temptation. You may have said that to some habit. You may have said that to some unforgiving spirit. Listen to what the elders and people said to Ahab in verse 8. Verse 8, chapter 20. All the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. Heed the advice given to Ahab. Don't listen. Don't consent. Don't give your absolute surrender to anyone or anything other than God. And so upon their advice, Ahab wisely canceled his former surrender to Benadad and returned his surrender at least temporarily to its rightful place to God alone. Now you might be the person here this morning who finds yourself in the shoes of Ahab and you say, yeah, that's me. I have given in, something controls my life. Your wife may not know it. Your children may not know it, but you know it. Sounds like I'm speaking to men and I guess I am because I am one. And I know how easy it is for us to be overcome by things that really don't matter. They don't matter that much to us. But they wind up taking everything that we own. And you say, well, if I said to whatever it is, you, don't, you, you can't have me, I, I'm not going to have you anymore. Sin has such a grip on my life that there's no way out, no escape. I can speak to my difficulty and say, I'll not give in to you or consent to you. And my difficulty will say back to me what... Benadad said back to Ahab. You can find that in verses 9 and 10. When, when uh, Ahab withdrew his surrender, this is what Benadad said in verse 9. He said to the messengers of Benadad, This is, tell my lord the king all that you sent for me, your servant, at the first I will do, but this thing I cannot do. I'm not going to give you my wives and my children. The messengers departed, brought back word to Benadad. Benadad sent to him and said, Look, you either give everything you have to me, or may the gods do so to me and more also if the dust of Samaria will not suffice for the handfuls of people who will follow me. He said, and there's not enough dust on the ground to count the number of soldiers and horses and chariots that I will bring. I'll come against you with all my might and I will take what I desire because your wealth is mine, your health is mine, and your family is mine. 
Something's got a grip on you just like that. Now, Ahab is not the brightest star that ever shined in God's kingdom. If you know anything about the Bible, you know that. But at this moment, at least, he placed his trust in God, giving his allegiance to God instead of to Ahab. And why did he do that? Number one, we're going to start over. Because God has the power to demand it. You want to think about who God is? Who the God is who sits on the throne of heaven? Who created the universe? Who can snuff out armies with a blink of an eye? The God that we serve has the power to demand your absolute surrender. So don't give in to the taunts of the enemy. Instead, renew your faith in God. Yield your life to Him anew. And say to God... What Ahab said to Benadad. And look at those words again. Look at them on the screen as we capitalize a few words because here's the theme of this series that we're going to look at because this is the truth of the matter. It is according to your word, my Lord, O King, I am yours and all that I have. That is the emphasis of Scripture. That is the emphasis of New Testament. That is the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has the power to demand your absolute surrender. In fact, He does demand that because Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, a passage we will come to in the weeks ahead. Jesus said, So none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all your own possessions, your silver, your gold, your wives, your children, are mine and you must say it is according to your word O Lord my King I am yours and all that I have God has the power to demand it second God alone has the right to deserve it now why should Ahab have surrendered to a heathen king who was he to deserve Ahab's allegiance who was he to claim Ahab's heart and home But God's right to your surrender is unquestioned. So, shut your ears to the whispering accusations of the enemy who says, I've had you so long, you can never break free from my control. That sin in your life, you say, well, I've had this habit so long, I'll never be able to overcome it. This thing has gripped me so long, I can never get away from it. But let me tell you what, this is the whole emphasis of this series. You're right, in a way. You can't. And that's what this is all about. The truth of the matter is, in your own power, in your own strength, and by your own resources, you will never break free from the power of the enemy, or whatever it is that controls you, or however long it is has been controlling you, but only by God's power alone. Not only does God have the right to deserve your absolute surrender, but third... In this little list, God expects to receive it. Now, Benadad, if you read the rest of the story, you find out he couldn't deliver on his threat to come and take what was Ahab's. And the reason he couldn't is because once surrendered to God, that which was Ahab's came under God's protection as God's property. Now today, you may be the person whose life has come under siege by some difficulty or some adversary or some threat of trouble. You may be the one who has, who's ready to give in or give up. Your heart, like Ahab's, has been shaken by fear because you look at this thing that has a grip on your life and the enemy threatens to claim what you have 
as His own. So today, you can make your life and your family and your soul God's interest by uh, saying to God what Ahab said to Benadad, Lord, it is true. And even though, let me say this, even though you can't see how you're going to get out of the mess, and, and Ahab couldn't see how he was going to get out of this mess with 33 kings and their horses and their chariots bearing down on his kingdom, he couldn't see how in the world surrendering to God could help him. But I'm telling you, he can help. And so instead of surrendering to the inevitable destruction of the enemy that's going to take place in your life, instead you need to say, it is according to your word, my Lord, O King. I am yours and all that I have. Uh, so you need to, what I'm asking you to do is simply surrender to the working of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Let me tell you, let me share with you a little verse out of the book of Philippians. That is a powerful verse. And we, some of these little verses, we don't realize how powerful they are. Here, here you go. Paul said, writing to the church at Philippi, church just like your church, because those churches were just like us, a little group of folks who were struggling to follow the Lord. He said, let me tell you this. He who... That's first. Those first two words are all God. He who began. That means God did something. He started it. He who began a good work. That's all about God because everything God does is good. When He created the world, God saw that it was good. All, every step, everything God does is good. He who began a good work in you. That means whatever work of the Lord took place in your life when you were 8 years old or 18 years old or 48 years old and God began to work in your life, God started it. He who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's God's work. Your life is, 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 is in God's hand because God's reputation rests on His work in your life. You say, well, you know, Brother Ray, I have tried and tried and tried to live the Christian life. And you have failed and failed and failed because it's never been, you've never been, <coughs> you, you were never intended to live the Christian life. You say, what are you saying? What kind of sermon is this? Here it is. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Didn't he say that? Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in, sometimes it says faith in, sometimes it says faith of, the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The work that needs to take place in your life has always been the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the work of salvation? How did it begin? The Bible says... When we were yet sinners, while we were helpless, when time was just about to run out, but yet at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, it couldn't have taken place unless He had done something. 
And it won't continue to take place unless you surrender it back to Him. This life, this work that God has begun in you, the only way it can continue and to come to fulfillment is if you will say the truth. God, I've tried to live the Christian life and I can't live it. I am defeated and I can't do it. And God will say, well, I knew that all along. That's why I'm offering you the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm offering you myself. That's why I offer you my strength. Because the power that's against you is great. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Over and over in Scripture we hear these words. You need not fight in this battle. And we hear, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We hear those words, be still and know that I am God. Or in another way, the same words, cease striving and know that I am God. Or in another way, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You're worn out, given out, served out, tried out, failed out. And it's time to give up, but not give in. It's time to give the battle to the one to whom the battle belongs. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that you would begin the process of bringing people to surrender, to say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. Lord, that's true in all of our lives. All of our defeats come because we fail to depend on you. And all of the victories that are in our future will come because we choose to depend on you and you alone. Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I pray, Lord, for this invitation time that you will have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, thank you.